Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach, was asked about Chance Nolan. Is he going to be the guy this week, or will they turn to Ben Gulbrinson? Third year, a redshirt freshman. Here's what Jonathan Smith said about Chance. We'll see how he looks in practice. He's going to need to practice some, um, and so we'll we'll make that call at the end of the week. The, the one quarter he did play, what, what did you think of of his throws? First interception. I think the the DB makes a better play than the route we ran, um, and so we're. Trying to get him out of his back pedal. He sat on it. Chance is keeping the safety in the middle of the field. He's throwing the thing on time, trusting a one-on-one matchup. The guy made a better play than our than the route we won. The second one did not like that decision at all. He's squatting on it. He's got to recognize that the corner's squatting, get to another another option. Ben will get majority of the ones reps, and if Chance can't go, I can see it's going to be Ben. It'll be Ben Gulbertson, or will it be Chance Nolan? I know what I think. Nick Daschle, Oregon State beat reporter, covers the team. Follow him on Twitter. Read him on Oregon Live. Here's Nick Daschle. Um, let's talk about Chance Nolan. It feels like feels to me like let's let, we'll deal with whether or not he's the guy in a minute. But feels like he's lost his confidence, Nick. Like, can you easily get that back? You know, I, I asked I asked Brian Lindgren about um, Chance today. I, I said you got you know five games now of video on him has he improved over a year ago because the numbers say he hasn't and and you know brian said well you have the last six quarters and you know they've not been good but you know he i think he's still backing his guy but i mean i don't know i mean he, he, he the boise state game he i mean he looked like a diff, he looked like an improved quarterback and he's just sort of flattened out from there he, he makes Five or six plays a game that you just you just go. What, what are you doing? I mean, some of those interceptions he's throwing, you, you can see it coming before the ball comes out of his hand. It's just like bad chance wants to come out. But I mean, he does give he does give Oregon State something that the other quarterbacks don't offer, and that's that's the ability to run a little bit. And it, and he tried to run a little bit on on Monday, Monday Saturday. And that's actually where he ended up getting hurt. I, you know, I don't know where I don't. I think they haven't. I, I don't think the coaches have lost a ton of confidence in him, but I think they're a little bit on the fence with him just because he because he's been so mistake prone of late. I also, I you know, I've seen him play well, and we've seen him play well against co- good competition. In in, but it feels like you know the interceptions against USC. Then he comes out in that opening quarter, and, you know, I know they're saying neck injury or what, but I kind of was wondering, would, would he have been benched anyway? The coaches said no, 
Now they turn to Ben Goldbrinson in that game, who is put into a tough circumstance against a good Utah team in a hostile environment. Can Goldbrinson take some steps forward this week in practice that would make him, uh, you know, a serviceable starter? Well, I, I could be wrong, but I think he was on the field for five drives um, Saturday and everyone ended in the red zone. Now, none of them ended in the end zone, but he did drive them down. He did drive Oregon State, you know, a fair amount when he was in the game. He's he's a little bit different, you know. I, I think I think they're intrigued to see what, what he could do because he, he definitely has the best arm on the team. He, he's kind of a combination. He's kind of in between Tristan Jebbia and Chance Nolan as far as mobility goes. He, he can move a little bit, but... I mean, as you saw, as you, as you saw on the, on the run that he made uh, after Tyjon Lindsay, you know, it's not like he's super fleet of foot, but he, but he can run well enough. It, it, it would be interesting to see what happens when he, if he's given a full week of practice with a game plan that fits him against you know a Stanford team that's not great on defense. See what he can do because it's one thing to play against Utah cold, you know. Uh, coming off the bench and playing, you know, against a Stanford team that you've got that you you're completely prepped to play. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of intrigued to see what he could do if, if they end up going with him, and I don't know where they're going to go at this at this moment yet. There was, you know, there was a moment on Saturday where I think everybody was watching the quarterback play and went, "Gosh, they just they're they're just not performing at that position." The more I thought about it, though, Nick, in the last. 48 or 72 hours, I kind of wonder why the coaching staff got away from running the football. Why, do you have an answer there? Like, why did – I'm sure when they watched the film, they went, gosh, we should have just stayed with the run like we did on that second drive. Well, I, I, I did put that to Jonathan yesterday about, you know, because you know how coaches are after games. You know, they want to blame themselves, but they really don't want to blame themselves. And so, I you know, I asked them, give me some specifics on – you know, what you could have done to put the team in better positions. And I brought up the running game, and he said when they went into the Utah game, they felt like they needed to be explosive because it would be hard to drive the field consistently and score touchdowns. So that's why they were throwing in some of those situations early in the game. But I did ask, then I did ask about the red zone where, you know, I thought those were situations to run, and, he didn't come right out and say it, but I kind of got the impression that if he's to do it all over again, they probably would have tried to run there a little bit more because they, they never got into a position where they could have got Jack Coletto on the field. And that's, you know, that's kind of where you want to get if you can. Um, but yeah. And I did. And I asked Brian today about offensive identity. You know, it's kind of an overused cliche, you know, what, what's your offensive identity? I mean, does it really matter? And it really doesn't, but, but this team has none. It's, it's, I mean, I don't know if they want to run, if they want to throw. John, Brian said they want to be balanced, but, I mean, if you can't throw it, you're really not balanced. So I think their best, you know, their best asset probably is running the ball, but they haven't found a real explosive back yet to do that. So I, I, if you want to be a running team, I think you got to have some explosiveness. And they, haven't got, they haven't got that part of, the, of that game figured out. So, you know, it's something that you know. That, that I'm sure they're working on over these next couple games. Nick Dashell covers Oregon State. You can read him on Oregon Live. Uh, Dashell, they'll go to Stanford 
on Saturday. They get the late game, 8 o'clock, ESPN. I actually feel like this is the ideal matchup for what they're going through. I think they could probably line up, limit the game plan, run the football. I just think they're better than Stanford in a lot of ways. Maybe it you know, uh, maybe at, you know a lot of key positions, but they're not better at quarterback. Um, do will we see Chance Nolan? My my hunch is that they're probably going to let him get healthy and go with Culbertson. That's my hunch. That's where I'm leaning. If I had to bet it, do you have a hunch? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, right now, I'd say, I'd say I, I'm I'm more I'm more thinking it's going to be Culbertson than Chance, only because. I mean, when you cut, when you say neck injury, yeah, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to risk that. And so, without being at, you know, without able to be going to practice, and without Jonathan telling me specifically, he's, he, that's what he's going to do. I just kind of, I kind of think that's where they're leaning. But I mean, it's that's just a guess. And and but yeah, you're you're, you're probably you're probably on to something. The defense has been good. Is has it really been that good? Given you know, I looked at the score. I wrote that, and then I looked at the score and said, "Gosh, they gave up a lot of points to Utah." But a lot of that was due to the fact that the offense was turning the ball over. And anytime you have you know four turnovers via pass in the game, I think you're putting your defense at a tough position. But is it wrong to say the defense is playing well? No, they're playing well. I mean, I think they played well against Utah. Utah only drove the field. They only scored two touchdowns on drives. The other ones, the other four came on, you know, a pick and and three drives are inside of forty yards. I mean, the the offense put them up against the wall in, in a lot of cases on on Saturday. And then you know they came off the USC game where they were, you know, they were lights out for the most part. And they've been that way. You know, Fresno had had its way at times against them, but you know, Boise they're really good. Well, this defense is really good. I think it's one of the probably top three or four in the conference. And I mean, that's what Utah thought too. They they came away impressed with Oregon State's defense. And you know, I think I, I think Utah came away thinking if we didn't get those picks, this game would have this would have been right to the wire. So um, yeah, no, it's a defense they can lean on a little bit, but you you, you, you got to get something out of the offense, and you can't keep turning it over. That's that's just. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. You, you can't keep turning it over like they have been. Last two weeks, you got to see Utah and USC. Utah and USC will play a week from Saturday in Salt Lake City. Given what you've seen, what do your eyes tell you about that matchup? I think I think Utah is, I don't want to say considerably better, but I, I, I would have to lean to, to Utah. You know, after watching USC play Oregon State, I was a little bit, a little bit on the fence about them. And then, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think USC completely had its way with Arizona State last week either. I mean, I, I thought Caleb Williams was scrambling and made a lot of plays that you know you wouldn't think a great offense would need to make. And so, if he's having to face Utah's defense, which is probably you know, one of the top two in the conference, maybe, and they, they definitely have the best secondary in the conference. I mean, that's going to be tough. That's a tough ask. And and USC's, USC's defense is, is good, but it's certainly not great. And I can see Utah, if they can get their running game going, 
I could see them winning by ten to fourteen points. Yeah, I think Utah by double digits. I I just I've been I've been on the anti USC thing for weeks. I got I have some respect for Caleb Williams. I think like he he is a good player. I think Jordan Addison is great, but I think Rice Eccles Stadium on a Saturday, it, I've seen some ambushes there, and I I kind of feel like USC is going to get ambushed. I I just see that's where I come back to Oregon State and teams like Oregon State and Utah. USC to me feels like a team that's just kind of put together with band aids right now because they have so many transfers. Yeah. And it wouldn't take much for that team to, to fall apart. Whereas Utah has got a lot of the same guys that have been playing there a while. Oregon State's got a lot of the same guys playing there for a while. They know who they are. I, I don't see the one of those teams you know, falling apart very much. Whereas, I don't know, if USC, if USC was to lose a game, they might lose three right away. Nick Daschel, I appreciate you. Good stuff from you. Appreciate you giving us your time. All right, we'll see you. There he is. I really like Utah against USC. But I first, I need to see Utah beat UCLA. They've got UCLA Saturday. And uh, the other game that I think is the second most interesting game in the conference, like if I want to rank most interesting to least interesting, Utah at UCLA 1230 on Fox on Saturday is the most interesting game to me. It's UCLA at home. It's a Utah team. Two ranked teams. Uh, it's Utah team that is everybody thinks is the best team in the conference. I certainly think they are. Uh, and they have a big date with USC. Will they look past UCLA? I don't think so, based on UCLA's record in the home field. But that's an interesting game to me. That's number one. The second most interesting game this week, to me, is 4.30 on Fox, right after Utah-UCLA. Washington State at USC. I kind of like... Washington State in the points in this game, but I think USC is going to win it. But I also just kind of want to see that matchup because I'm learning more about USC every week. I People came away from the Arizona State game last week, you know, saying, oh, gosh, they're flawed, they're flawed, they're flawed. I, I We've known they're flawed. But I came away with an appreciation for the medal and the resilience that USC showed in the game because there were some moments where they could have folded, and they didn't. And Caleb Williams took some shots in that game. And I left that game with more respect for him than maybe I had at any point of this season. Now they're going to get Washington State, and I think Washington State is very decent. And it'll be interesting to me to see how USC performs knowing that they've got a game next week that is huge. And Washington State's going to fly around in that game. You just know it. So those are the two most interesting games. After that, I'm, it's kind of a muddled mess for me. Washington's at Arizona State. I'm interested in Washington's side of that story. I think they'll win that game. Oregon is at Arizona. I think Oregon uh, has just got too much talent to lose, even in Tucson, which is, you know, we've seen that environment eat some coaches up. I don't think Arizona's there, not yet with the talent. I think they're like two years away from being a team that could be dangerous. But Oregon's going to win that game. And then Oregon State at Stanford might, Oregon State at Stanford might be my third most interesting game because I just want to see what Oregon State's going to do. Like, will they find a quarterback? Will it be Ben Goldbrinson? But Stanford's the perfect patsy. You know, if you, you if anybody saw the Oregon game last week, and I stayed up and watched that thing, you, Stanford's just a patsy. They're just, they're not dynamic in any one facet. Tanner McKee's their best player. They can't protect him. I, I think Oregon State's defense is going to feast on Saturday night. But 
I'm interested to see how Oregon State looks at that one position that they've been so bad at in the last couple weeks. Who plays quarterback? And against a Stanford team that's very gentle, can that person look good? Because Bo Nix, he looked terrific against Stanford. Everybody who plays Stanford looks great. Will Ben Gulbrunson start at quarterback for Oregon State? That's where I'm leaning. I think so. I think they're going to give Chance Nolan the week off. I think it's going to be Gulbrunson's team against Stanford. I could be wrong there. I'm just going on hunch and, and reading the tea leaves. Anna's stepping into the studio next. So much to talk about. Shannon Sharp with some sharp comments for Antonio Brown. Tom and Giselle, what is going on? That and so much more. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Anna's popped into the studio. I want to talk about Tom Brady and Giselle. I want to talk about Shannon Sharp and Antonio Brown. For people who don't know, um, Tom Brady and Giselle are uh, going through a rough patch. Is it escalated beyond a rough patch, Anna, in your mind? Uh, yeah, it's a little, you know, it's gone a little step further. Uh, do you believe the reports? I mean, have they retained counsel? Are they are they divorcing? Like, uh, you know? well, the reports so far, according to page six, welcome to TMZ.com, uh, is that Giselle has hired a divorce attorney and Tom Brady is looking for one. That's a bad sign. That and you a- know, when I read it, it just doesn't. Yeah, like it makes me sad. Like yeah. I root for marriages. You know, I yeah. root for marriages to yes. work out, and. I even root for them to work out. Like, just because they've gone to this step doesn't mean that they might not reconcile in the end, right? Yeah. But Well, for people who don't know, Antonio Brown, a couple things with Antonio Brown. I want to give the full context here. We all know about Antonio Brown's troubles with the NFL, troubles with the Raiders, you know, taking his uniform off, second chance, third chance, whatever. Um, there was uh, there was a... Uh, video posted uh, of an incident at a hotel in Dubai that showed Antonio Brown, uh, who got way too close for for comfort with a woman there. He apparently, uh, you know, exposed himself. He was kicked out of the hotel. And, uh, you know, on the video that went viral, he's on the edge of the pool, put his put his hands in the pool deck, lift himself out of the water, stuck his butt in the woman's face both times. She turned away and laughed it off, but uh, he got kicked out of the hotel. Then Antonio Brown uh, posted about the Tom Brady-Giselle incident. I guess we'll call it that. He posted a photograph on Instagram of himself hugging Giselle. You know, he lived with the Bradys for a little while. And he basically um, is turning on Tom Brady here. Is that the best way to put it? Uh, that's what we can only gather. Yeah. Stephen, you know? Sean, turning on Tom Brady? Is there a better way to describe this? Yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, because Tom Brady has been kind of the one guy that has had Antonio Brown's back. And now he's posting these things. So, you know, I think he's really turned his back on him. Yeah, that's that's not something you post for a, uh, a friend of yours uh, that's going through a divorce, potentially. Okay, so Shannon Sharp, I'm going to play this clip. Shannon Sharp went after Antonio Brown today, and I think it's worth playing this clip. 
and listening to it. A.B. is a clown, and he's been a clown for the longest. He's done in the NFL. Nobody's going to waste their time. No. And, 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 and last night took the cake for me. I'm done. Everybody should be done. After he posted Tom Brady's wife and, post, and said what he said, that man took your ass in. That man revived your career. Nobody was going to give you a chance. And you take a shot at this man's wife. You do that, A.B.? I fought you at home. Because every last one, because every time someone try to correct A.B., all y'all do is like, hey, let that man live. Let that man do this. Let that man do that. And that man is harming himself. And instead of somebody saying, you know what, Shannon, you're right. I wish somebody would get with A.B. and tell A.B. to slow it down. I don't want you to tell me what I need to hear. Tell me what I need to know. Tell me what can help me become a better man, a better person, a better player. As opposed to like, yep, skip the egg of the man on. The man naked got his ass in somebody's face. Taking his private off. And they said, yeah, A.B., yeah, A.B. You see this? Instead of saying, A.B., bribe me what you, I mean, me personally. What, what the hell are you doing? Bro, you about to get him. You in Dubai. You lucky they throw his ass in jail. That's what I would have done with my homeboy. I ain't got no homeboy. Bro, hey, we, we gone. Because I'm not finna go to jail. For, I'm not going to jail for you. And people at home, I want y'all to stop this. When someone, when a, a black person is trying to correct another black person, stop talking this bull jive about somebody trying to bring them down. Y'all want people just let bull jive go. Keep, bull, keep, oh yeah, keep, no. It's wrong. And it's okay to correct them when they're wrong because we, 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 we see where this is heading. Stop, stop this. This notion that, man, Shanna, you shouldn't have said that, but he was wrong. I know that, but don't say it. What? I'm free. I'm free. And everybody happy. You ought to see his Facebook live just going crazy with likes and mentions and click. I'm free. I'm free. Yeah, AB free. Man, look at AB. AB is old man. He's showing he don't need the man. They just co-signed it and he eating it up. Thirty million. You a damn fool. Who who does that? You hustling backwards. The objective is to get as much money as you can. Not say, you know what, well, I don't want thirty million. I want five million. There it is. Shannon Sharp. I like Shannon Sharp. I liked him when he was a player. I liked him in the locker room. I covered the NFL when he was in the NFL with the Ravens and uh, did you know I like him because he will say what's on his mind. Is he saying the truth there, Anna? Like are there enablers? Is the public an enabler in this Antonio Brown story? Um, no, I don't know that we're enabling him. I mean, you know, he's making the decision to to do these unwise things like exposing himself. But it sounds to me like his behavior, his erratic behavior has, you know, has gone on for quite a while. Yeah, this isn't new. Stephen and Sean, you got a take on this. Is Shannon Sharp spitting truth? Yeah, spitting truth, you know, and he mentioned, of course, you know, no one's going to give him another chance, and I think that's pretty obvious. Um, but he does eat it up because anytime we give him attention, like he loves it, right? And he's like he's trying to become a rapper, and now the NFL guys when they score a touchdown are doing his dance that he does, and so that just feeds into his ego even more. So I don't, I mean, it's hard to just say, hey, let's wipe him off the face of the earth and not acknowledge that he's even alive. But at the same time, as soon as we give him attention, he's going to you know thrive under that and really enjoy that. I don't think the story ends well for Antonio Brown. It's already taken a bad turn. You know, I don't think he's better off than he was, so to speak, four years ago. Uh, I don't, you know, I think he's left money on the table. I think he's embarrassed himself. You know, he's obviously trying to promote the rap song through the comment that he made on the Giselle picture because those are lyrics from his song mm -hmm. that he posted. Sean? Yeah, I think um, it's it's troubling the how much attention he's getting because ever since... Um, 
you know, I hate to say this, but ever since some really bad hits he's taken uh, in the NFL, his, his, his behavior has spiraled quite a bit. And so uh, I don't think it's something that we should be, you know, drawing attention to because this could be much deeper than someone that just is, you know, is displaying bad behavior. This could, this could very well be a, a CTE thing. Should we not be talking about this, Anna? Should, should we be ignoring this? I don't know that we should be ignoring it necessarily or not talking about it, but I do wonder, like, for those of us, it's just sort of like conventional wisdom. We're looking at that situation going, something's really not right here. Like, somebody who would behave in this way and do these things, like, instead of just fully making light of it and go, look at crazy Antonio Brown, like... I mean, I think there are bigger questions to ask here. I know that the discussion around him has also been around his mental health. Like, Sean, I know you're saying CTE, but like, and I'm not, I'm no psychologist, I'm no therapist, but like, this is, this is behavior that is um, symptomatic of bipolar disorder. And uh, I, I am familiar with that, with, you know, family members and whatnot. And so, like, my greater concern is who's watching out for Antonio Brown? And, like, is he medicated? Is he in any sort of treatment? Has anyone even discussed that with him? I know he said in the past, my mental health is totally fine, but, yeah. you know, that, that's the bigger question. I think he me. needs a second opinion on that. Uh, Sam's in Vancouver. The phone number is 503-417-7575. Sam, go ahead. Hey, so there's there's a couple of different issues here. Number one, um, I got to disagree with Anna about the enabling thing. Um, no, we did not enable him to make this post, but the fact that we are now discussing it, and if Antonio Brown gets any wind of this, he's got that mental health issues and capacity that he will see this, and that will enable him more. I think that the last point that Anna just made was a very good point in the fact of being me being personally as somebody that suffers from mental health issues um, with him do, we need to enable him to have more talk about the, the help that he needs instead of talking about the post that he made with Giselle or what he yeah. did in Dubai um, or what have you. Um, th there's, there's two parts of the enabling where people are enabling by watching the posts and and see he sees the clicks and sees all this stuff but i don't think there's enough out there to enable him to get the mental health that he really needs which is a very very tough subject right now which i think that people do not focus enough on there's a lot of issues that are going on in this world but i don't think mental health is really brought up enough and we need to enable ab to get the mental health yeah that he needs. And yeah, I think it's really hard sometimes when somebody we can all see there's something wrong and you know the person who's actually suffering that's a that's a big obstacle to get to Antonio Brown. Um I also I get what the caller's saying about like hey we shouldn't be talking about it, but I but I actually think like there is some good that can come from a conversation like this. If somebody is out there and who's struggling or maybe you know we all have had friends or family members who just for whatever reason will go off the rails. I just I think it's important to kind of talk about this stuff and and deal with it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I again, I I get what that caller is saying. There's part of me that doesn't want to, you know, give light or spotlight that horrific post and, you know, the timing of it given what 
Tom Brady and Giselle are going through. It's completely insensitive. But I do I do think there's value in assessing yeah. it and, and looking at it and going, gosh, you know, if if we're all it's like if we're all looking at it and going, E, there's yeah. something wrong there. It, my hope well, is that there is someone in Antonio Brown's inner circle who can get to him, good luck. who can have a real conversation with him, because I know in the past he has said, I don't have mental health issues. Like you can't force somebody, you know, into treatment or into therapy unless they are Im like imminently going to harm themselves or someone else. The pattern here from his decisions with the Raiders to walking off the field with the Buccaneers, the stuff he's said, the, you know, exposing himself in Dubai, other incidents he's had with other altercations with people, the post about Giselle. I mean, it's all consistently erratic behavior. Like there's something awry here. Kevin's in Sandy. Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, yeah, well, one thing I, one thing I think was, uh, telling was, uh, one of the very first, um, incidents that, uh, that occurred was in Miami that I think kind of gets overlooked is when he dumped that TV out of the hotel and he almost, uh, dropped it on a father and his kid. And he, I think he settled for $80,000, but that doesn't get talked about a lot. But like, since then there's been like, even when he was playing, there was a pattern of incidents that had begun even before he signed that $50 million contract with the Raiders. Um, so I think it's just been a slow, um, just a slow process of, of a man just falling apart, and it's sad to watch. I mean, from throwing away generational money, $50 million, I think people just assume because these guys play football and they have a lot of money that they're okay. I mean, you know, I, and I think that, what well, the other caller said is not talking about it. Well, how do you not talk about it? With, I mean, you know, the guy's uh, a celebrity. And yeah. I think that some of it's on purpose, but some of it is not. I think he has some serious mental health problems, and I think he needs help. And I think this could end really bad for him, and I hope it doesn't. Yeah, it kind of feels that's the track that it's on. Maurice is in Portland. Maurice, go ahead. Do you have the floor? Hey, John. Um, I got to it's, it, when you're talking about this with Antonio Brown, it's this very slippery slope. And I have to agree with, on one hand, I agree with Shannon Sharp. Uh, Brown is a joker. He's a jokester. And he pushes the line. You know, he goes overboard, and he, I'm black. And one thing that, that Shannon Sharp said that really touched base with me is when he said, as black people, we got to stop trying to act like, when a black person tries to correct another black person, that there's something wrong about that. Oh, you shouldn't say that about it. Just let it no, we don't. You know, so for me, I feel like there definitely is something mentally. It could be CTE. It could be bipolar. Uh, something mentally is going on with AB somewhere there. But I feel like he's a jokester, too. I feel like he plays on both. But I also feel like there's a layer of something emotionally wrong yeah. is going on with him as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I feel like he is, he's cunning enough to thread that line. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we've seen it too much. And it, and it irks me. He gets, he really upsets me with some of those antics and other people too, like Kanye West and, and different celebrities. But I think that there's a, I think that there's going to, there's a, there's some mental, there's some CTE and there's some emotional and social uh, disorders going on with him. But, I, I do think that there is a, a nice thick layer of him that's okay as well, too, and he knows exactly what the hell he's doing.
help us with you know when Shannon Sharp says you know we you know you try to correct another black person and you get shouted down saying you're trying to bring him down help us why help us understand why that is a topic of conversation and the black community yeah, there's a, there's always been a lot of um there's not a, a, not a lot of there's not enough unity and so you're going to have on one hand you'll have some uh black folks that feel like unity means co-signing some bs that you see another black person doing and then you have other black people that feel like no we need to correct them and get them on the right path because because as a unit we need to be a unit we need to you know you have strength in numbers yeah. and so when we're divided you know as a community the way that you see the black community is to some degree divided that's what shit that's what shannon sharp is touching on he's yeah. he's he's tired of black people trying to stick up and trying to honor the BS, the bull jobs, what he calls it. And I, and I totally feel him on that because it makes it hard for decent black folks to be taken seriously and to be respected when you got so many other black folks that honor all that bull jive. Maurice in Portland, thank you for that call. Important call. I love that. You know, I had, I had my idea of why I thought, but I loved hearing that from Maurice. I want you to leave it here. More of your phone calls. 503-417-7575. You got the bald face truth. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the bald face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the bald face truth radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the bald face truth radio show. Thanks for listening.